running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hi, this is Julie, and I'm talking with Madison. I know Madison because she's a friend of my niece's, and I think she's a very interesting person, so I wanted to talk to her about her life. Madison, I forgot to ask you, do I have permission to record this? Yes. You've just recently graduated from college. Yep, I graduated in 2021. Did you have a virtual graduation? I was fortunate in that I did have an in-person graduation. Masks were required. And we got to walk the stage. So I got a graduation. It was definitely a little different than I had hoped, but graduation nonetheless. That's awesome. My son had a virtual graduation. The good news was family members from across the country could attend if they could get logged in. It was kind of interesting to be able to like spread it out versus all the people that would be here. But still, it's, it's an interesting time. I take it that you have a family. I do. Do you have parents, siblings? Yes. My mom and dad are married, and I have one younger sister. I see. So that puts you as the oldest? It does indeed. How does your life as an older sister pan out for you? It's interesting. I think older children tend to have a lot more responsibility, tend to face a bit more consequences. At least in my family, that was the case in the sense of I was the first child to go out to a party or stay out past curfew or have sex, all of these things. So I was kind of breaking ground and my parents almost used me as a learning curve <laughs> and they done a much better job with my younger sister, but there's a certain level of independence that I think is expected of older children because my sister is three years younger than me. I was immediately put in this role of mommy's helper and the big kid and you're not a big kid when you're three years old. So it implies a lot of responsibility and immediately pushes you into this independent persona. And that's definitely translated into a lot of facets of my life. You know, I've always been pretty independent. I've always been highly responsible. I'm very hard on myself when I fail. You know, I count a lot of things as failures that I don't think other people would count as failures. And I think that stems from being an older sibling. But there are perks to being an older sibling. I get to do everything first. So I'm the cool kid. I'm the favorite grandchild. <laughs> I got to make a lot of decisions for myself, which was cool. I got to have this incredible relationship with my sister. I mean, don't get me wrong. We fought like cats and dogs when we were kids over the stupidest things. But now that we're older, we are a lot closer. And it's nice knowing that I have a relationship with my sister where she can come to me for advice in areas that my parents aren't necessarily helpful. So did I want to be the one to have to make the mistakes and learn the lessons? No, not at all. But it's nice knowing I can translate those lessons to my sister so she doesn't necessarily have to go through the same things. Oh, that's very interesting. I hadn't looked at it that way. I'm 10 years older than my youngest sister, so we didn't fight like cats and dogs. Yes, I tried to help her not go through the same things that I went through and that but I never thought of it as being helpful it was just more like just stay out of trouble <laughs> yeah and there's definitely a protective aspect there my sister is much more independent than I am and she's got her head on straight but I have always felt this responsibility to watch out for her because I want the best for myself but I want the best for her more than that I've definitely felt the same 
it doesn't really dissipate. About the hardest thing is just recognizing when the younger one is really an adult, reminding yourself you don't have to be that directly protective. Well, that's what's interesting is my younger sister actually, so she'll act like an adult in her ordinarily ordinary life, but when she and I are together, she will, whether she realizes it or not, assume this position of the younger child mm. where she looks to me for anything she can. It's a really nice feeling because it makes me feel needed, mm-hmm. and I think everybody craves that a little bit, but I am curious for the day when she is like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a grown-up now. <laughs> well, I think there are always scenarios and situations and environments where it's more comforting to sink back into what you know mm-hmm. instead of being this you know, all-powerful, independent person. You know, I, I do it myself sometimes when I ask my parents for help. I'll resort back to a kid. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be an adult. I want to be a grown up and you know be in charge of everything in my life but there are times when I'm scared and kind of fall back into that role of asking mom and dad for their advice I think that's an okay thing to do I'm in agreement with you on a different note one of the things I was asking is there's sometimes in your life where somebody did something for you and you don't know them and maybe you still don't know them or maybe you do but it's something that happened that came out of the clear blue, which turned out to be the biggest help. Maybe not to their knowledge, but the direction that they sent you in on purpose or by accident made a difference in something that you were trying to accomplish. Definitely. A lot of things come to mind, but the strongest one ties back to when I studied abroad my junior year. I spent three months in Switzerland traveling around Europe on the weekends, and I spent an entire month in Rwanda Hmm. uh, trying to implement a grant proposal I had developed teaching English as a second language and basic computer skills to elementary-aged students. When we got to Rwanda, we learned that the students were in their summer break, so I watched each day as these students ran to school, desperate for any extra education they could get. I had been debating pursuing my master's degree for a couple years at that point. I've always been good at school, and I love learning, so it seemed like a natural next step for me. But there was a while there where I didn't want to. I wanted to graduate and get a job and be done with the school thing. I wanted to apply what I had learned rather than keep learning for 30 days. I watched these students be just ravenous for education, that it became clear to me that it would almost be stupid to not pursue my master's because they don't have access to the education I have access to. So why, if I have access, would I bypass it because I, what, feel lazy? Like (laughs) I'm tired. Exactly. You know, I've always been an ambitious person, so it was a little out of character for me to do something not ambitious. But when I left Rwanda, I knew that I was going to pursue my master's. There was nothing that was going to change my mind about it. So those kids didn't realize what they were doing for me. They definitely had no idea. I could have explained it to them and they wouldn't have even understand or understood. It came completely out of the blue and altered my life completely without that program and that experience, I 
maybe wouldn't have ended up pursuing my master's. I probably wouldn't have ended up in the job I'm in now. I wouldn't have ended up in the city I'm in now. My life could have been entirely different had those kids not just wanted to learn so badly. I can't express gratitude for that experience enough. It kind of changed your perspective. And in the end, I'm hazarding a guess it changed kind of who you are. Definitely did. I was exposed to a lot of new cultures and gained a renewed appreciation for all that I had access to. Because I was in a really underdeveloped village. And when I say underdeveloped, I mean occasionally running water, not really any electricity. And that was a totally different experience for me. I didn't have cell phone service the whole time I was there. So <laughs> I was disconnected from my whole life back home for a month. To do that in your 20s is kind of a shock. <laughs> I just watched all these people in this village. They were so happy and so willing to give you the shirt off their back, like anything you needed. It just, I hate to sound like one of those people that says, I studied abroad and I'm a changed woman, but I am a changed woman. I appreciate the little things now. I appreciate the big things even more. I look at things and people and experiences differently. And I found it interesting when you said they would give you the shirt off of their backs, because when you think about the fact that they probably only have two shirts, that's quite a gift. Exactly. We've touched just a little bit uh, labels, like what kind of labels have been applied to you and which ones do you think actually mean what they say? Well, in my life, I have gone through a lot of experiences and They've shaped me in many ways. So a lot of labels have been applied to me. I mean, you can look at the generic labels where I'm this funny, happy, caring person who's so welcoming to others. I think those definitely applied to me. And I talked to my coworker today and we were catching up. Somebody called me the center of attention the other day. Really, it, it threw me off because the, it wasn't said in the best light. I really sat and thought about that. And I was like, well, do I always try to make myself the center of attention? So I was talking to my coworker about it. And she's also a close friend of mine. And she goes, I wouldn't phrase it that you're the center of attention. I would phrase it that you have a magnetic personality. And I realized a lot of labels can mean different things depending on how you choose to view uh, them. Yes, good point. Good and point. I've had a lot of negative labels applied to me. I was bullied in high school. I was bullied in Rwanda by the students I was living with. You know, I was the crazy ex-girlfriend or the mentally ill girl or the loser or the girl with scoliosis. You know, the list is endless. I don't know. Maybe those did apply to me at some point and to some people. Maybe maybe to some of my ex-boyfriends, I am the crazy ex-girlfriend. <laughs> maybe I am a loser sometimes. But the older I've gotten... I realize labels really, really don't matter. The only ones that matter are the ones you choose to accept for yourself. And I don't think any of those are negative. More broadly speaking, there are other labels I can apply to myself. You know, I'm a, I'm a woman. I'm a, I think I'm technically Gen Z, which is a little embarrassing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am bisexual. So there's that label that mm -hmm. I recently accepted. The older I've gotten, the less offense I've taken to labels because I don't even feel at this age that I fully know myself. So who has anyone to tell me who I am? Mm -hmm. You know, I should be the first person to know that. You know, things only affect you as much as you let them. I think you're right. Labels are not anything unless you own them. 
how have you felt when you've had one of those more overreaching umbrella labels? Woman comes to mind for me, but there's others, I'm sure. I think bisexuality also puts you in a box. Mm. And that's what labels are, really. They're just making you easier to digest. Some people need that, and I, I get that. I love a challenge. So if someone wants to box me in for being bisexual, go on ahead. It is a challenge to be a woman. We get paid less. We get treated poorly. Not that men don't, but historically, I just think women are undervalued Mm. for what they can contribute. I think there's two ways to look at that. You can sit and be upset at the reality of the situation, which I am. On the other hand, I think that is empowering. Change someone's mind. Do something different. And that's kind of what I set out to do every day. I'm not threatened right. <laughs> by anybody putting me in a box. Okay. I picked out a random question for you. It's a book called 3001 Questions All About Me. And of course, you don't have to make them about you. But uh, the question that I picked for you was number 1015, which is, what person am I when I'm in a group? Am I the funny one, the inquisitive one, the observer, or something else? I am like, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. Mm-hmm. I'm like a smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All of these individual ingredients that are blended together. There's no one person I set to fulfill, like one personality type I set to be. I think I'm a hilarious person. I really do. It's one of my favorite traits about myself. And mm-hmm. anytime anyone verifies that I'm funny, it <laughs> lights my fire. Like, <laughs> But I'm much more than that. And that's the cool thing about getting to know myself recently is, yeah, I'm funny, but I've also found out that I'm super welcoming to people I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm extremely extroverted. Am I the center of attention? Probably. I brought the group together. My coworker friends, that group is now expanding to like 20 people because I went throughout the company and sought out 20 some odd year olds who didn't work with 20-some-odd-year-olds, mm-hmm. and they felt lonely in their teams and separated in their teams. They brought us all together, and we get drinks once a week. We have parties. We get each other birthday gifts, and I have been told I'm kind of the kingpin of that group, and I love that role. I mm-hmm. love that I brought these people together. They're amazing, but I do sit back and observe. I do listen. I do talk a ton, as I'm sure you've noticed. <laughs> I think there's value in being more than one person. Yes. And a lot of the time, I am who people need me to be. I'm a friend in that way. Mm -hmm. If you need me to be the advice giver, I will give advice to the best of my ability. But I think above all else, I like to think of myself as a giver. Mm -hmm. I have learned so much through all that I've been through. It would be a waste to not share that with people. I am an open book. And you could ask me anything after just meeting me. And I will tell you, I'll tell you about my suicide attempt in high school. I'll tell you about my mental illness now. I'll tell you about my bisexuality. I'll tell you about sexually assaulted. And those are really uncomfortable topics to Mm -hmm. talk about. Trust me, like it takes it out of me to talk about them. But what I love about it is that it creates this environment of trust. If you're wanting to share something with me, Mm-hmm. But you're but you're not necessarily comfortable. And then I ramble out about how I tried to kill myself when I was 15. You kind of trust me a little bit at that point. Right. I just gave you an extremely vulnerable part of my life 
And I like creating that environment for people. I think it's so valuable. And there's so many things that people don't get a chance to talk about because they're scared and they don't feel comfortable. So if I can throw myself under the bus and give you a space to talk freely about something you don't really get to talk freely about, I'm more than happy to do that. I think that's a great approach, too, because if they're talking to you about something, if you show your vulnerable side, they're a lot more willing to be vulnerable for a minute. Whereas if you don't, then they're just going to keep it bottled up. Exactly. And it also sets this expectation of, hey, you don't really have to worry about being judged because you could judge me right back. Let's, Let's destroy some stigmas, move past the history of it, and just be real people. Right. I think that's part of what I'm attempting to accomplish a little bit too by doing this is that there's so many more aspects about people and if we were willing to talk about them we might find out we have more in common and less not in common than we think. Exactly. Well that's an interesting point because you know I'm going through a very damaging heartbreak right now. The worst pain I have ever experienced in my life and I've I go on TikTok and see umpteen thousand other women are going through a similar experience. It's not like that makes me feel better. I don't like seeing everyone going through this pain that I'm going through right now. But there's something to that that makes it a little comfortable knowing like... Less alone. Exactly, yeah. I'm not the only one suffering through this. The way I've always looked at it is that there are a bajillion people on this planet. And I will never get the chance to meet all of them, but I will jump at any opportunity to get to know someone I don't know. Everyone has a story to tell, man. There is something to learn from everyone. And I think I've made enough mistakes and had to learn from If somebody can give me some insight, I would be a fool to not jump at that opportunity. Thank you so much, Madison, for taking your time to talk with us. Well, Julie, it's been so lovely talking to you. Thanks you very much. I appreciate it. Of course, anytime.